Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This show is the one where we, your friends, neighbors, countrymen, talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company through Walt Disney Pictures and assorted and sundry uh, subsidiaries, LLC, LL Bean, and etc. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick. I run DisneyFilmProject.com, the website that started this crazy madness. And uh, wow, some days do I regret that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm doing this stuff. It's lots of fun. And today is one of my favorite days because it's a day that I get to talk to two of the finest film buffs that the world has ever produced, uh, including Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is the chief technical officer of DisneyDrivenLife.com and fellow blogger with myself at touringplans.com, uh, and an all-around swell fella who is uh, known by everyone worldwide as such. Hello, Mr. Todd. Squeak, squawk, squeak, squeaker, squeak, squeaky. I, I don't actually speak squirrel. Oh, You're I'm sorry. Ashamed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I dropped out of the uh, Junior Woodchucks uh, club, actually, unfortunately. Oh, okay. When you when you drop out, did they did they literally like drop you out like out of the tree? Yes, actually, it was kind of painful. I, I didn't want to bring up that painful memory, but thanks anyway. Okay. All right, I'm moving on to somebody who's not as you know going to bring up painful memories, and that would be the the lovely and talented Miss Brianna Alessio, who is the blogger at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. Hello, Bree. Hello, sir. How are you tonight? I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm. Uh, uh, talking with some awesome folks about a, a really funny movie, so you can't really beat that. We have to talk about the person who will take the uh, five-hour chat marathon that we're, we're about to endure uh, and edit it down into some sort of semblance of coherence and, and does so on a more-than-weekly basis at this point. And that would be the, uh, the talented producer of this program, Ms. Cheryl Perlmutter. How are you, Cheryl? I'm doing good. This computer is not doing so good. That's why we're recording so much. I booted the other day and like half the lights were on. So. <laughs> and, and not the good half either. That's that's the bad part. So so that's why we're recording so much. Sorry guys. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I like it. I like talking to you guys. It's more fun than uh, most other things that I do in my life. So Bree, we have a friend of yours with us this evening. Yes, we do. One of my very best friends by the name of Amy Beth Combs. Yay! Yay! Hi! And we will be discussing her favorite Disney film, which is The Emperor's New Groove. Yay! So, Amy, Amy, why is this your favorite film? Well, I have a couple different reasons for that. Uh, the first one is you're not always up for something serious, something emotional, something draining. And a lot of the other Disney films are sort of like an emotional roller coaster ride, the princess films and whatnot. So I think Emperor's New Groove is a nice departure from that because it has a lot of sarcasm and a lot of humor. So I think that's pretty great. And I also love the actors who voice the characters a lot. So those are pretty much my two big reasons why I love it. The sarcasm, everything I'm else thinking... was already taken on the list, and this is what she had left. <laughs> I think <laughs> sarcasm is probably why Ryan and I really like it a lot. Yes, indeed. Sarcasm. Yes. <laughs> I would have to force Awesomeness. this motion. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, all right, I have to ask the question, which of us saw this uh, in the theaters when it came out in December of 2000? Did we all see it in the theater? 
Not me. Oh, the young the younglings didn't. Todd, you didn't either. No. Really? Yes. So uh, here, when Cheryl and I saw it, we were celebrating. We didn't ever saw it in the theater. Um, we were celebrating our anniversary, and we were staying in Concierge Animal Kingdom Lodge, and it was on at, in the Concierge Lounge, and that was the first time we saw it. So we just hung out and watched it. Impressive. That's better than my story. I, I uh, went to visit some friends uh, back up in Knoxville, where I went to school, Go Vols, and uh, we were staying in a cabin for the weekend, and it came out, and uh, we went to the theater, and we asked for tickets to the Llama movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And the great thing was, they knew exactly what we meant. <laughs> That's great. That is awesome. Well, you were right. <laughs> exactly. And and hey, everybody loves llamas, right? They, Have you yeah. ever met someone who doesn't like a llama? Never. No. Never. Exactly. Everyone does. I think it's a law actually that you have to love llamas in the United States of America. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Never met hey. anyone that doesn't like a llama. No. Yeah. They're they're lovable creatures. Is that the seventy second amendment? It is actually. Okay. Yes, yes. It's yeah. still out actually I think it's still out for ratification by the states. I think Wyoming has not yet voted. So uh, we're waiting for that. They're one. always a holdout. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Uh we are discussing the Emperor's New Groove, as we mentioned. The story of the llama. Uh no. It is the story of uh, Emperor Cusco, voiced by David Spade, and Pacha, voiced by John Goodman, uh, along with some fabulous performances at, with, by uh, Eartha Kitt as Yzma and Patrick Warburton as Kronk. Uh, this was uh, a long and torturous road to the screen for a, a film about uh, the Incan era of Peru, although it's not really mentioned as such in the film. Uh, this There's a long story behind the development of the movie that we can talk about later, but uh, the end product is probably the closest thing that Disney has to a Looney Tunes gag-a-minute style movie, uh, which is probably why we all like it so much, uh, because it's it really is a laugh riot. It doesn't stop for anything and doesn't take itself very seriously as Amy mentioned. Yeah. It's it's not just that it's like it's like the actors that they picked for the roles are brilliant for that type of movie too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean I I just it it's unbelievable it, it cuz other actors and actresses and it would not be the same movie. Oh, exactly. absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially with Cusco being David Spade, he he has that almost almost annoying pitched voice, like "na na na na," I'm better than you are, you know, and and it was perfect for the emperor's role. Yeah. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, when I first saw that David Spade was going to be in a Disney movie, now at the time you have to remember David Spade was a a, a pretty big star, uh, yeah. and I was annoyed by him. In, in his other movies. So right. when I saw that he was going to be in a Disney movie, I was not enthused about it. And uh, But seeing this, uh, it was it was a perfect choice, like you said, especially pairing him up with John Goodman because they play off of each other so very well in the movie. Agreed. Yes. I wonder how much of the dialogue was ad-lib between the two of them because some of it just sounded so fast and so quick. You know, I just, I love that about it. Yeah. I, I, I'm Me not too. sure. There's a lot written about how much Patrick Warburton did uh, did ad lib for for a lot of his role. <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah, I can believe I that a lot. In, yeah. in fact, um, so you, you know the scene where he is first uh, 
trying to get rid of Cusco, right? And he um, he's carrying him down the stairs, and he's humming this like spy tune, right? Yeah. <laughs> he completely made that up, okay? And because it was, it, they had to leave it in because it was so cool and awesome. Disney actually had to write up a sec, uh, an addendum to his contract where he signed over the rights to that music that he made up on the spot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is wonderful. Nice. Oh my gosh. See, I don't even know him as Patrick Warburton. I know him as Putty from watching Seinfeld. I think ev- I think everyone does. Yeah, that's what I just actually I don't. I've never watched. I'm not a big Seinfeld fan. Oh, okay. Me either. But, I know but him. You know, I know, you know him who else called. we know. Him. You know who else? But we got mentioned. He's the guy in Soren. Yes, that's and right. This actually kicked off a long uh, association between him and Disney. This was the first thing he did with them. But I mean, he—he—you mentioned Soren, but I mean, he—he he did the TV show that came out of this. He did. He's—he's um, he's now in Star Tours too. That's right. Uh, he is. He's—he's he's one of the voices in Star Tours. The adventure continues. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's so he's cool. He's done a lot of stuff with them. Uh, based based off of this, whereas uh, John Goodman did hasn't hasn't done as much. He did uh, Monsters he's Inc. Done, uh, no, he doesn't. He's doing um. He did um. The other movie. What did he do? The what other movie. I don't know. He did Jungle Book too. He's voiced Baloo for that. Yeah, well, he was monster. Oh, he's well, he's Sully. <laughs> in yeah, Monster he's in Monsters Corp. Inc. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. James uh, P. Sullivan. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but we didn't see we didn't see Cusco uh, David Spade back in in a Disney movie. I wonder, I wondered about that, but yeah. I'm guessing money. Uh, I'm guessing attitude, but mm. it could be a little bit of both. Would be both, like, yeah, would, could be possible. Actually, John Goodman did continue in the new school series. So and really, he, and he was um in and he's done um stuff for the Cars video games. Well, yeah, well, well, I'll, even um. Like Eartha Kitt even continues to do Yzma in the, um, the series. So. Well, yeah, Eartha oh. Kitt did. Eartha Kitt did until until she passed away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So this this movie, uh, like I mentioned, came out in December two thousand. Uh, did did respectable at the box office. It wasn't the huge hit that Disney was hoping for. Uh, which you can discuss their expectations and whether those were realistic or not and that's kind of part of the long and torturous road for this movie to get to the screen uh, which is a whole other story but uh, the basic idea here is we have Cusco who is the emperor of the uh, of the Incan Empire who is as self-centered as they come and they present that a nice fun montage at the beginning of the, of the movie with with him uh, dancing to a Tom Jones song which I think if you're going to display self-centeredness that's the way to do it. That's yeah. the way to do it, indeed. <laughs> and he and, also and, has on like the the little Elvis outfit. Absolutely, yeah. Tom Jones <laughs> popping out of the cake is 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 a highlight of the movie. <laughs> One thing I want. So small. Like, why is he so small compared to everyone else too? Have you seen Tom Jones? Yeah, he he's not very tall. He's a oh, well, okay then. I, I think I tower over him. One thing I wanted to bring up before we go back off the, off the um, directors and stuff is um, one of the guys that did this movie um, actually did the new Winnie the Pooh movie. Oh, wow. Steven hmm. Anderson um, was one that was, is credited as um, doing the story for this movie. And cool. he's a story, he was a story supervisor. 
and he did additional story material, and he did, he's done a ton of stuff for Disney. He does, he has done stuff with Meet the Robinsons, Bolt, um, Wayne the Pooh. So that's a ton of stuff. I, so the the movie opening is like one of the most fantastically done um, movie openings in like all the Disney animated movies. I think. I don't know if anybody else feels that's a, that. That's a bold statement, sir. I just the, no because it's an opening number, right? And and that's as opposed to most Disney movies, they start and it's not. They might have a like music going over the credits, right. yeah. but then it goes right to the characters and it becomes a character moment, right? But this yeah. this is an opening musical number of crazy proportions for an animated movie. Including Riverdance by yes. Red and Blue <laughs> Gentlemen. Yep, yep, there is a Lord of the Dance tie-in in the beginning, which is insane. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's just one of many. I mean, like, the, the whole movie is full of anachronisms, which, for those of you who don't use SAT words, is, like, stuff from the future that shouldn't be around in Incan times. Uh, the whole movie is, is packed with that stuff, including, like... The whole point of the beginning number, uh, he's established as, as a crazy, you know, uh, selfish person. And Pacha, who, the John Goodman character, is summoned to the temple to uh, get his opinion on where to put Cusco's pool, which includes a water slide, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I didn't know they had advanced water slide technology in ancient Peru, but, you know. <laughs> I, and he calls it Cusco-topia. Of course he does, because what else would you call it? That's right. I agree. Yeah, really. <laughs> and he has a little do 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 with a little flag that sticks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that the the narcissism exhibited by Cusco is really one of the factors that makes the movie so funny throughout. Oh, it's, yeah. Because it's, it's like real Sharpe, right? Okay. <laughs> not the Sharpay. Not not the Sharpay. Not Sharpay. <laughs> um, but you you you, you know what I'm saying is is they're they're so f- he's so full of himself, right? But that he becomes oblivious to other things that are going on around him because of course anything that's going on around him must be about him anyway. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I and so I I think that it, it just pr- it produces this humor throughout. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree. I mean, it's it. In fact, that all the way through the end of the second act of the movie, that's that's kind of the driving force, right? Is his is his self centeredness, right? Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, in fact, in fact, the movie opens. You mentioned the musical number, but it really opens with the seat, the shot of him in in the rain, True, lamenting right. his condition. Which we then go, like I said, we go back to that at the end of the second act. And it, you know, it, it makes so much more sense. But I mean, he's still in the narration at the beginning of that, and in the narration at the be- at the end of the second act is still self-centered. It's the character in the movie, in a sort of very meta fourth wall way, that actually says, "Hey, wait a minute, this isn't the way we should act." Right. Oh, and and breaking the fourth wall is so atypical for a Disney movie. So it's it's amazing to see it happen because it's done in this perfect manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> I mean, having him be the narrator about his own story, and I love, I love when he comes in and he does like the scorecard thing, 
where he pulls down the screen and he go and he X's himself that's out. That's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love He's like, okay, but reminder, this back. story is about me. Yeah. yeah. Not this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great moment because it it's 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 a moment when Pacha has come home and he's upset because Cuscotopia is gonna basically destroy his village and it's the, you know the music's emotional and everything. And what they did so well, and it, it, it's not the only point in the movie, but they basically cut your legs out from under you and say, hey, this isn't a serious movie. This is meant to be funny. Right. Yeah. It, and they take exactly the moment that you expect in any other Disney movie, and they say, whoop, this is not that. This is something different. Exactly. And, and speaking of Pacha, I love his wife. She's absolutely hysterical. And she was voiced by Wendy Malick, who was in the show Just Shoot Me with David Spade. Yep. And um, yeah, and I found out this is the first Disney animated feature to actually show, or to actually depict a woman as being pregnant, which I thought was really cool. Yep, she's I also on this hysterical show right now called Hot in Cleveland. That's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize that that she was the first one to ever be shown pregnant in Disney mm-hmm. animated. Yeah, because yep. cool. it's it, it always it's always off screen, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, right. or the mother's dead. Or the that's another Disney trope. Exactly, that's yes. Right. Yeah. Someone has to be dead in the beginning of the film. Right, of course. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because how else would you get the pathos? And really, that's what you got to have. I noticed something new watching the movie today that Yzma, when she's breaking the bust heads of Cusco, she actually tells Kronk that she practically raised Cusco. Yeah. I yes. never noticed that before. I was like, what? Oh, I no didn't even hear that. He's like this. <laughs> I did not even hear that. Wow. Oh, yep. Well, yeah, because Kronk says right after that, he says, huh, think, you think he would have turned out better. That's that. Mm-hmm. And, and think about that because it makes the um, the dinner scene much funnier. Oh, yeah. So Yzma, who played by Earthy Kit, um, it's important to note in the very beginning, she gets fired by Cusco. And <laughs> in, in a very funny way, uh, as well but she of course is then upset and conspires to kill him uh so she decides to poison him in a uh a, a dinner uh, where uh Kronk the Patrick Warburton character is supposed to pour poison in the drinks um Kronk gets mixed up though because his spinach puffs are burning because you know who wouldn't so unfortunately then Kronk has to mix all the drinks together uh and what ends up happening is uh, instead of turning Cusco into a dead human being, he turns him into a live llama. Weird, huh? Oops. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Trippy. No, she goes, she goes, he's a llama? He's supposed to be dead. Weird, yes. huh? <laughs> That's a line that gets quoted often at my house. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really explain why, but it does. All right. Um, I mean, it's it, that whole scene is just like a tour de force of of animation acting. You know what I mean? Like the the expressions on the faces of the characters and the you know the just the way that those they move and uh, Isma trying to pantomime hitting him on the head with the broccoli and Kronk not getting it and I mean just the whole scene is so funny and awkward and I mean just really well done yeah, now when no, she's it, doing that with the broccoli then they show the, the cactus next to her 
that had been a perfectly normal cactus, and then they show Cusco, who's got this neck and these ears coming up, and then they show Yzma yeah. again, and there's the cactus, and it's turned into a llama. Right, because she she dumped her she she dumped her potion onto the onto the cactus, so it too turns into a llama. So apparently, they don't just transform you form humans; they transform pretty much anything. Well, you know, the cups like, should have been llamas. Like the cups should have been transformed into little llama cups. <laughs> You're not supposed Ooh, to think at that level. That's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> that's like asking why acid doesn't burn the test tube. Oh. Oh. Mr. Okay. Wizard coming out I, over here. So, um, no, no, I but where you going there? Yeah. But I, I, I like how he goes. Well, well. To be fair, you know the, the all your all your formulas look exactly the same. Maybe you should do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which comes into play at the end of the movie. Yes, it does. You know? Indeed, indeed, it does. Uh, yeah. Mm. But so uh, Kronk is uh, tasked with uh, throwing or taking Cusco out of town and killing him. But of course, Kronk, being the big soft-hearted lunk that he is, can't bring himself to do so, and instead. He drops uh, Cusco, and who and Pacha accidentally picks him up and takes him away. Uh, <laughs> after a fun little scene between uh, Kronk's shoulder and angel, uh, shoulder angel and shoulder devil. <laughs> I I actually like when he's when he's humming the music and running down, and there's this point where he enters from the shadow into the light, and he freezes in the light, and the two people just kind of walk by him and look at him and like, yeah. And they walk right by him, and he's, yeah. like, perfectly yeah. frozen. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they and then on even... the wall behind him, there's two people staring down at Kronk and pointing their fingers at him on yes. top of that. Yes. And he's just, like, in the little hole there. In between. And, and they're paying no attention despite the crazed look in his eyes. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, I love what you were saying, though, um, Ryan, the, the whole angel-devil analogy. I love when they play that into movies, and this seemed like the perfect movie to do that in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the yeah. most part, like they they usually do it in the shorts. Like if you watch some of the old Pluto shorts, like they did it all the time with Pluto. Yeah. Right. Um, and they did it with Donald a lot too. And it, it, I I don't remember him doing it in a feature before, but I mean it works so well with Kronk. It, it it's not just that. So let's so remember we're talking about breaking the fourth wall, right? Is is Goofy is one of the only characters who ev- almost ev- except there are a few you know, wartime Donald Duck things, it's always Goofy has the fourth wall broken in his animated features, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. So I thought I, the Goofy analogy is very good because there, because it's the, it's the right qualities. Like Kronk even almost moves a lot like Goofy does. If yeah, that's true. It. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't think about it like that. Yeah. That's a good point. Hmm. Yeah. But, and so what, what we get then is the, the, the real setup for the movie is it's a buddy picture, right, between Pacha and Cusco. And Cusco is trying to get back to the palace so that he can be transformed back into a human. Pacha is trying to help him in the hopes that he will ditch his plans for Cusco-topia. And that's kind of the back and forth throughout the entire second act of the movie is the two of them with this, you know, I don't trust you, I do trust you, I'm the emperor, you're a peasant, you know. Uh, it's, it's a buddy movie, which is something that Disney had not done before. And the two of them, like we mentioned, playing off of each other, it's just comedy gold. Can, can I mention one of my favorite scenes? Absolutely. Yeah. So when, when Pacha first finds Cusco in the bag, 
and he pops his head out, and the way he yells at him, it's a demon llama! <laughs> demon llama! <laughs> yes. And then Cusco turns and sees, I think it's Millie, P- Pacha's llama, or alpaca. They it's look at Misty. each other and they, or, or Misty, thank you. <laughs> and they both look at each other and they scream. That is such yes. a moment of sheer brilliance. I just love it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I, yeah. the scene before that too, where when he comes home and she's measuring the kids and how tall they are, and the the little boy, I think his name is Debo. He says, "Look, I'm as tall as you are when you were a kid," and she says, "That's not nearly as impressive as my loose tooth." She's just measuring <laughs> yeah. your tooth in and out. I I also like how they they're like, "Oh yeah, you can stay up," and then they get all smoochy face, and the kids are like, "I'm not staying up." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the kids immediately run away. Yep. The, um, I you know what's interesting is um the demon llama thing, right? Because they could have wasted a lot of time there, in terms of story, right? But yeah, instead, right. no, they just have Pacha instantly recognize that he's Cusco. I love that. And it, it was yeah. just, it was, it was very strict because it was, it's unexpected if you're watching it for the first time. Because you're like, you figure, oh, no, there's going to be like an hour of this, right? right. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, there is a Star Wars reference. Um, I don't think it was on purpose. It just happened and I took note. Um, when Pacha says, okay, Demon Llama, take it easy. I mean you no harm. I mean you no harm reminded me of Yoda when he first met, um... Uh, yes, and he goes away with your weapon. I mean, you no harm. So that was a Yoda moment there, and no nice. one else probably noticed that. But not very good. Mm-hmm. That's my Star Wars reference of the night. So all right, yeah. There we go. So my yeah. one reference is the squirrel, voiced by Mr. Bob Bergen, has also voiced. Um, a couple of the ARC Troopers and Clone Cadets in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Plus, he voiced on Robot Chicken Star Wars Episode 3. He's in, he does all the, he does the first three Star Wars, and he does Luke Skywalker in all three of the first uh, the Robot Chicken Star Wars episodes, oh, yeah. by the way. Oh, but he's, he's Luke nice. Skywalker. The guy who does Bucky. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. By the way, the the voice of that squirrel didn't didn't you think that it didn't make you guys think of the sword in the stone a little bit? You remember with the the girl squirrel we were just talking about? Yeah, oh, the way he was animated. Yeah. yeah, and also later on the animals that when the soldiers were turned into animals, that yes. really reminded me of Sword in the Stone and Robin Hood, just the animation style that they were drawn in. Absolutely. He doesn't yeah. like it too much. Step away. so there's this robert clotworthy guy the unfortunate name is his problem um he was he's actually did just a lot of the background voices in the city um does this by the way does this before i continue does the city actually have the same name as cusco right i mean because it's supposed to be like the ancient peruvian city right Incan I, city. I assume that's what it's. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that's what it is, but I don't okay. know for sure. Okay, never mind. Anyway, so he does a lot of the background voices there. Okay, uh, he's actually playing uh, one of the senators in uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. I haven't played the game yet, so it's. Uh, I, I imagine it's when they say that he's a senator. Usually, the senators are like giving you missions in those type of games. So that's uh, I um, There's um, also I wanted to mention that. Um, this is not a Star Wars reference, but it's still a good one because it ties into one of our prior episodes, was that um, 
the John Fiedler, he does um, in the in the movie he does the old the old guy who gets I think he gets thrown off the building in the beginning, right? For for many years he did the voice of Piglet. He didn't do it in the in the current movie though. So no, I recognize his voice. Well, he he, pa- he passed away. So, uh, but he did he did Piglet for a number of years. Um, I didn't know that. So. Yes, and um, we I will also wanted to mention one last guy is is Roger Bumpus who did uh, Squidward from SpongeBob Pet SquarePants. Look at Amy's face like? light up. Okay then. <laughs> See that? Amy is what a huge SpongeBob voice. What, who did he voice it? Oh, in in this. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he just also did background voices. In, the, in this, there's a lot. If you pay attention to the movie, there's a lot of background conversation going on, and apparently, I, I couldn't find a good thing of it. But I found somebody's um, interview where they're saying you have to try and listen to the background voices because they're actually funny conversations. The, the whole second act of this movie is about Pacha and Cusco coming to realize that there's good in each other, right? So Pacha thinks, you know, that Cusco has some good in him that he's not completely selfish, and Cusco keeps proving him wrong. Whereas Cusco has to realize that Pacha, as a peasant, you know, that there is redeeming value to peasants, uh, even though he doesn't want to see it. Uh, I do enjoy the I do enjoy the, the moment at the very beginning when uh, when Pacha tries to get him to agree to not build Cusco Topia, and Cusco says, "Come here, just a little closer, yeah. come closer," and then blasts him with the "I don't make deals with peasants." <laughs> I, I, I may or may not have used that on my children. (laughs) (laughs) You poor children, no wonder. I just like several times until Cusco flips around, he goes, no touchy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, which is often used between my children talking to each other. So, (laughs) I'm not sure I have the most well-adjusted children in the world is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of back and forth. I mean, we I, we don't have to go into every instance of it. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes back and forth between these two as they are trying to get to uh, get Cusco back to the palace, and it all kind of culminates in a diner of sorts, which reminds Mudkiss Beat Hut. Yes, <laughs> I love Mudkiss Beat Hut, home of the mud of meat. Yes. <laughs> Was, was anybody else reminded of Tangled, having seen this now? Like I was reminded of the uh, oh, when they were uh, going the, the snuggly duckling in Tangled. Did, did, did yes. You get, did you get what what Mudkiss Meat Cut is, Hut is designed to look like? No. It, it look at the emblem. It's Bob's Big Boy. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did get it's, that. Yes. There's, there's the big there's the big Bob on the outside, even in the even in the blue and white outfit on the menus. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, totally missed that. That's great. The great part of that scene is we have Cusco dressed up as a female because <laughs> they don't allow llamas. We have Acha sitting across from him. And then we get Yzma and Kronk in there. And the whole vaudeville of the whole scene going back and forth, forth from the of, kitchen <laughs> from the kitchen not tr- and Kronk taking over as the short order cook 
I mean, it's like, it's just laugh out loud funny for like five straight minutes. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's literally, it's my favorite scene in the entire movie is, is that, is that yeah. five minutes. It, it's without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's amazingly written. It's, there's so much going on in the scene. Like, no, like the, I think the chipmunk scene's better. I don't know. Well, okay, maybe a little bit the chipmunk scene is good, but the, this scene is just brilliant. That's the that's the whole thing about it. The salt pepper shakers are llamas. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like everything in that place is llamas. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, the, the giant bug things that they eat were so weird. Oh, <laughs> disgusting. Oh. Well, the, the thing that cracks me up about that is like, so they crack the bug open, right? And then Pacha is sucking it out with a straw, <laughs> which, which is like, okay, that's gross, but okay, that makes a little more sense. But then he just picks up the shell and starts chomping on it. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what in the world? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think of us. I, I think of uh, splashed. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Right when she eats the lobster hole. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I forgot all I about that. that movie. Uh, yeah. I was. I was oh. getting queasy right along with Cusco. Like, how can you do that? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, right. I love. But his his whole conversation with the chef that makes the chef quit. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. yeah. But the chef doesn't look up at him and realize it's Cusco as a llama the whole time, right? Yeah. And, and then Croc walks in and he looks at Croc and he goes, "That's it," because Croc makes like one comment. He goes, "You do this." <laughs> He's like, "What's your policy on special orders?" He's like, "That's it. I quit." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And then she oh, walks, yeah. the, the waitress walks up with the order and, you know, spouts it all off. And then she says, you got that, hon? And then he just repeats it all back just so it, fast, just differently. He, like he, he memorized the menu or something. Yeah. In, in diner yeah. speak. <laughs> yeah, he definitely yeah. did diner speak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that, that part is just, oh, man, cracks me up. And, and, but the thing is, like, from that point forward, it doesn't slow down. Like you would expect there to be a brief pause here or there, but it doesn't. Like the next part is is the two of them. You know, there's there's that brief pause right right before uh, they go to Pacha's house where Cusco uh, and Pacha split up, but they reunite like right away. You know, there's not there's not a, a it's not long and drawn out. They they reunite pretty quickly after that, and that's where that whole end of the second act part is, where we come back in from the beginning of the film and have you know Cusco with himself in the rain and all that kind of stuff. But they reunite like you know mere moments after that. <laughs> that's what I love about this film. It's the only Disney film I think that has never made me cry. <laughs> that's an interesting point. You know? Yeah, I never get emotional watching that movie besides just like crying with laughter. Well, that's yeah. like you were so that's funny. like that's like you were saying at the beginning, Amy. This is like, you know, most Disney films are an emotional roller coaster. And this one isn't. It's just fun the whole way through. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh but it's, uh, so it's right after that they go to Pacha's house where Isma and Kronk the, the when Kr the scene where Kronk realizes who Pacha is. <laughs> you want to talk about comedic timing? Because <laughs> he, he wakes he wakes up from a dead sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and like that peasant from the diner, 
He didn't pay check. Check. <laughs> and so, back to sleep. And, and the great. So so there's that part, right? They could have stayed on Kronk, right? They could they could have stayed on Kronk and not changed the shot. The great thing they do is they pull out to make you think that that's the end. And then as soon as he sits up again, they zoom in really fast. Yeah. That's when he realizes who Pacha is and that he's hiding Kuzco. Right. I mean, but the, the, and then he bursts the into bursts into the the little tent or whatever it is and wakes up Isma, and she's got no hair <laughs> and she's got the face cream on and the cucumbers fall off. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he screams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 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 scene at Pacha's house, where where Chicha his wife is. Is they're like he's like in the window and the her and the kids are like he's he goes to he goes oh no I think they'll be okay and they've like locked Isma and Kronk in the closet. <laughs> yes. What I love is when he's got his face right in the window, and his wife smacks him with the frying pan, and he comes back up. He says, "I love your wife. They're both very pretty." <laughs> so much fun. Yes. <laughs> But uh, I, I like the kids. Like you're, you're not like my aunt. You're like my great, great, great. And he goes on, and apparently he goes on twenty three times. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, but, I mean, you could tell just by the way we're talking about it. It's like this is one of those movies where you just sit back and you quote lines and you and you laugh hysterically from it. And, and how how Kronk is <laughs> when when. They're like, she's plotting with him, and he's playing jump rope with the kids. He's like, yeah, just one minute. Yeah. <laughs> i got 94 <laughs> monkeys to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, that all leads to them the, the, the fun um, the map sequence, basically, which is straight from, like, Indiana Jones and all those old, you know, Casablanca and all those old right. movies where we have Yzma and Cusco's, uh teams, basically, running across the map to get back to the to the uh, to the palace, which made and, no sense because they they beat them there, and well, they never they, explain that. They don't have to. They they explain they it away. The joke, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They even reference it. That was that was sort of like a fourth wall thing too, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah, he pulls definitely. he pulls out the same map we were looking at with the red and blue lines on it. Okay, and and he goes, yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I also like when they're when they're doing the map, and he looks behind him, and there's actually he's actually making the lines in like on the on the ground as he's running. His like dotted line is going behind him. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it, this sounds really weird to say, but some of the scenes remind me of an animated, cleaner version of Airplane. How some of the jokes are like blatantly, obviously there, and they point to them. Like they'll just point to the jokes, like oh, yeah. they did in Airplane. Yeah, like I'm, I just yeah. see some parallels there. Well, it's it's something that we and we haven't talked about the director, but the director of the movie was Mark Dindle. And he did. He he was actually plucked by Disney from Warner Brothers because he did this film called Cats Don't Dance. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it is exactly the same sort of humor as this. 
Um, okay. And and he was and the reason he got plucked over from Warner Brothers is because he came in and took that movie that had been languishing at Warner Brothers and turned it into a fun comedic movie. It didn't perform at the box office, but Disney saw it and said, "Hey, this is something we could use more of this style of humor or you know this this sort of thing in in our our films." And and based off of this, he then went on to do Chicken Little, which again it's the same sort of humor. Uh, that one ha- takes itself a little more seriously. But but not a whole lot. Interesting. But that I mean that is his t- style of humor is to you know kind of point out the obvious jokes or to you know look at things uh, from a slightly askew way and and point out that you know hey there's a lot of humor here even if it, we're supposed to take it seriously. But the, so they have the the race back to the lab and it's the secret lab which it's it's that is a, a great joke if you know what it refers to. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Todd. I'm sure you know. Well, okay. So there, I, I'm not sure what you're specifically referring to, but I know why why it's in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Eartha Kitt used to play Catwoman on Batman. Yes, she on, did on, on the live action series, and it's actually. They're referencing the the joke about how Batman and Robin in that show used to go. They used to have. They used to pull back the head of um, the st- of the bust of Shakespeare, and then they would press the red button, and then the then the the door would open, and the bath poles would be there. That's what they're actually referencing. Yes. Okay. That's, oh, wow. that's the how they get to the lab. That's what they're referencing. I was referring to the name Secret Lab itself. Do you know why that is in the movie? Oh no, no. Okay, go. So. Um, do you remember what other Disney an- quote-unquote animated film came out at the, in the year 2000? Anyone? No, I, I don't remember offhand. Dinosaur. Oh. So at the time, uh, Michael Eisner, in, the, the, in his infinite wisdom, had decided that he was going to create a computer-animated group to live within Disney, and the name of that group was... Secret Lab. Secret Lab. The Secret Lab, yes. <laughs> so the animators, the hand-drawn animators, um, would derise – they weren't even allowed to, like, go check it out or any – like, it wasn't a case of people working together or anything like that uh, from everything you can read. So they, they just, you know, kind of, you know, derisively put it in the film as the Secret Lab. Uh, and even Cusco makes a joke about it at the din- in the diner scene about, well, Yzma's got that quote, and he uses air quotes, secret lab. Yes. <laughs> and oh. that's, why it, that's why it's referred to like that, because all these hand-drawn animators were sick and tired of hearing about the secret lab, which, ironically, uh, we can talk about later, but the dinosaur's release date got moved because Emperor's New Groove was behind schedule. So Dinosaur was supposed to come out in December. Emperor's New Groove was supposed to come out in June. They had to flip-flop the release dates because Emperor's New Groove was behind schedule. And most of the people who work at the Secret Lab blame that for Dinosaur doing so poorly. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> not that it was based on not that, not that it was based on an attraction that 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 scares small children and makes them cry. I was just gonna say I much prefer the attraction over the film. I me. I prefer neither. Ah. Because it doesn't only scare small children, Cheryl. It scares me. Have you Aww. ever been trapped on it, though? Oh, dear no. God, no. Aww. Yeah, so so uh, one time, Cheryl and I were on it <laughs> with a bunch of friends, and it it stopped, and the lights were still out, and the car is still rocking like this, but it's not going anywhere. 
Not that not that it was bad. I mean, the story that he created was uh, very similar to what it ended up being, but it was a little bit more like Prince and the Pauper than mm-hmm. than what we ended up with. Um, I, I don't want to go into the entire story because it's pretty complicated, but I mean, he, he his idea was to make this a very epic movie, uh, much more like The Lion King, not a lot of laughs, that sort of thing. And Disney hired Dindle to come in and sort of make the movie a little more fun. Thankfully. After, after Allers quit. No, no, no. He hired. They hired him while Allers was still on the movie, okay. and they didn't tell Allers. <laughs> wow. Uh, Even better. And what what ended up happening is that I mean they soon knew that they were working together, but what ended up happening is they started making two different movies. So there would be Dindle scenes with lots of comedy, and Allers scenes with much more drama, and they would test the movie, and they would test things and the audience just didn't like it right because it's so uneven it would go if you can imagine something swinging from lion king serious to this sort of comedy in the same yeah. in a 10 minute stretch you can see how that might not work and ultimately in the summer of 98 they found out that kingdom of the sun wasn't going to be ready for the june release date that it had in the summer of 2000 and allers was fired because and, and honestly, this is one of the reasons they gave that if the movie's not ready for it, then the promotional deals with McDonald's and Coke and all these places uh, would fall through. So they fired him for that rather than wait on his movie. Now, you can and, – and they had to then tell Sting that his songs would not be used in the movie. And that moment is captured in that movie, The Sweatbox, which is a big reason why Disney snapped it up and will never let it be seen by anyone. But but Sting's songs oh. are on this are on the CD soundtrack. Yes, he re he actually redid the song that's in the in the end credits uh, that he was nominated for an Academy Award for. He actually did that song later. He stayed on the movie. They had to convince him to stay on the movie, and he did that song later. But the original songs that he did are on the soundtrack, like like Todd mentioned. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, it was craziness. I mean, there and it's it wasn't just Sting. Uh, Andreas Deha, the the animator who's now left Disney but did a lot of work for Disney, you know, including Gaston. He did Tigger in the new Pooh movie. He mm-hmm. actually quit the film and went to go work on Lilo and Stitch instead. Oh wow. So I mean, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, you could read a lot about it. We can put the stuff in the show notes, uh, where you can read a whole bunch about the history of this movie. But I mean, it was a long and tortured process. And again, imagine the clout that Roger Allers had at Disney from being the guy who directed at that time the most successful animated movie ever made. Right. And and for them to go and fire that guy. That that tells you what sort of pressure they were up against in in, in getting this movie out. Amy, do you have a question? <laughs> yes, I do have a question. So just to go back a little bit, I thought of this while I was talking. When all of the guards have been transformed and they all turned into animals, when one of them says, excuse me, I've been turned into a cow, can I go home? And she excuses him. I was wondering if, because I know in some cultures cows are sacred. And I wondered if that had anything to do with the cultural aspect of where they were in the film or if it was just sort of a, a funny joke about him being a cow. I honestly I don't know. It, hmm. it there there's there's a there's a lot of weird things in there like that. Um like for the fact that like the fact that um Kronk is Jewish. Does everybody get yes. that in the movie? 
Yes, he is. Totally <laughs> um, missed that. I, I, yeah. I, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so 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 Kronk's last name is Pepin Krennenkainz. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, and and all the all the jokes that he that he's all the cooking jokes that he's making are actually Jewish cooking jokes. <laughs> throughout, oh. other than what goes on in the diner. <laughs> okay. So wow. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed too that the the waitress when she brings the meal is that she throws the rice or confetti. Rather, she's a Mazel Tov and walks away. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, by by the way, I know we completely talked about the scene already, but I forgot to mention how I love when. They, um, when the people who work in the diner come out to sing to Yzma with the cake and they start singing, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, and I feel like I'm at the Olive Garden again. Nice. <laughs> it's like yes. that moment, you know, where they come out and sing to you. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and then Kronk comes out of the, out of the kitchen and he's laughing and he says, it's your birthday? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oblivious. So oblivious. Uh so, have you ever um, done your birthday at Whispering Canyon before? No. No, not yet. Okay. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wor- ruin a little bit for you, but just so you know. So one of, one of the um, if you get the small, the little tiny butt cake that they have, okay, and you order it as your birthday cake instead of getting a larger cake. Um, yeah. One of the one of the gags because they do several gags, so this might not be the gag you get. Is they will stand behind, they will put the cake down in front of the person whose birthday it is, and they will stand behind them and have them face face away from them so you, you're not seeing the people and they sing happy birthday behind you and then in the middle of the song they all reach over with forks and eat your cake <gasps> nice <laughs> wow. I love it <laughs> and, and this and this in many other reasons is why Whispering Canyon is like my favorite place in, in to eat because it is one of the most fav- fun restaurants period to eat at a property uh, yes, so good so good that when I had my 40th birthday I had it there. Yeah, you, I love that place so much. Todd, you couldn't possibly have had your 40th birthday yet. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. My 29th birthday. There That's we okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I had a couple of other interesting hidden things in the movie. Please, sir, we expect no less so, from you. So this, this movie has an almost perpetual hidden Mickey throughout it. Did you know that? No. no I did yes. not. So the design of Yzma's head with the big blue earrings, when you turn her head upside down with the earrings, it's actually a hit, it's actually a Mickey head, and that they actually intentionally designed wow. it that way. Okay, wow. that's why her, that's why our earrings are so big. <laughs> and t- <laughs> okay, yeah, those earrings are like door knockers; they're massive. Yeah. So, but if you turn her head upside down, you get the shape of a hidden Mickey. So that's that, and it's almost throughout the movie. Um, the other interesting thing is so. They um, now you know they took um, an actual s- series of trips to Machu Picchu to and to check out yes. all the Incan stuff for the designs of the movie, and they really fell in love with the lines and the shapes. Like for example, that's one of the reasons why Cusco's head is triangular. Right. Okay, is because it, again it's to give that angular that that look that they really loved about all the stuff. Mm. Cusco's throne. Okay, you know how it's up on a really high pedestal and there's like this big face behind him. Yes. Do you know who's, who, whose face that actually is? No, I do not. Enlighten me, sir. The number one enemy of one Mr. Space Ghost, Brack. Oh! 
if you actually put if you actually get the, no the full zoomed out picture of of the throne room and you put it next to a picture of Vrak, you will see they are the exact same face. See? Star Wars and Space Ghost find their way into every uh, it's, Disney film. It's so hard to believe. Of really course is. they do. Yeah. I love Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Who doesn't? Really. Let's be honest. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, this this movie, we've said it before, but I mean, it's just a laugh riot. I mean, it's just, uh, from from beginning to end, it is just hilarious. Um, it's unfortunate to me that Disney considered it a failure. It, it did okay at the box office. I mean, it did $89 million, but for the amount of money that they spent in development on all that money they spent on Kingdom and the Sun, um, it was never going to make back that money. Mm. Yes. Well, that was for, for sure. Um, you know another reason why this movie is so funny? So you know how we're always talking about tropes that are in movies, okay? If if you look at like the the list of tropes that exist for things, okay, that you know, like there's there are online you can find trope lists and stuff like that. Is right. this movie has more than fifty tropes inside of it? So that's that's mm-hmm. based on the length of the movie, that's that's pretty close to about a trope every minute, minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But what they do is they do a good job of, of like I mentioned in the in in the, in the part about Kronk waking up, is they do a good job of taking the trope and then turning it into a joke. They really do, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's constantly kind of undermining what you expect to happen, which is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all right, so there we go. Uh, anything else that we want to add about the uh, the Emperor's New Groove? If you haven't seen it, see it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Everyone should buy a copy and then have another copy as a backup because they'll burn up the first copy because they'll play it so much. I asked for it for Christmas this past year and I did not receive it, much to my chagrin. So I'm going to have to try again this year. <laughs> so, so let me. I have the gold double disc edition that when it first me came out. Me too. Yes. That's good stuff. Yeah. We just have the regular DVD version. Yeah, slacker. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you need to do is on your stocking, you need to put a, si- a, a, a note that says, please insert Emperor's New Groove DVD here. Oh, I love it. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to do that. I love it. I like it. Yeah, I like it. All right. So uh, the Emperor's New Groove, if you haven't seen it, go rent it. Watch it. Uh, you can watch it at Amazon or Disney Movies Online, I believe. Um, so go check it out. You, you definitely will enjoy it. All right. Uh, but before we wrap this up, we have to say what we thought of it. So uh, let's see. Um, let's go with Bree. <gasps> what did you think? Oh, wow. This was just, this is the kind of film you watch when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're angry. It doesn't matter what mood you're in. It will completely make a 360 degree turn with your mood. Completely turn your day around. Um, I love this film to bits and and I forgot how much I I do love it. Um, I am going to give it a four. It just makes me happy. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Uh, Cheryl, would you like to comment? Yes. I'd also like to give it a four. As well you should, my good woman. 
I also, I, I would say, though, I would recommend watching, I have to say recommend watching the TV series before you watch this, maybe, because that, that, I mean, because it's, I know, I know I'm bad, I'm doing it in reverse order, but I kind of like the way they did the TV series, and you well. mopless. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find the TV series. If you can, That's yes. the only problem. But the yeah. TV the TV series is as good as the movie is. Yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> Having seen a few episodes, it is, yes. Alright, uh, Mr. Todd Perlmutter. Your oh, thoughts? I'm, I'm going with the 4-2. I mean, it's just, it's it's an awesome treasure of a movie that often gets overlooked. Absolutely yes. agree. Uh, I, I will also rate it a four for the exact mo uh, reasons that you gave, Mr. Todd Perlmutter. It is a, a gem of a movie that you can watch over and over again without getting bored of it. Um, but but our, what about our guest, Miss Amy Beth Combs? I have a feeling I know what she's going to say. I give it the greatest score ever of four stars because <laughs> it's 77 minutes of laughter. You're never bored. It's fast-paced, and you'll love it. Well, hey, wait, hold on, Amy. When we're giving scores, we're giving one out of five. <gasps> you guys gave it a four? What's the matter with you? <laughs> I, I just want to point out, I didn't even give Mary Poppins a five, so there you go. I give it five stars. I think it's a wonderful film. 77 minutes of nonstop laughter. It's fast-paced. It's fun. You will not get bored watching it. I love it. As well you should, madam. As well you should. And that is why you're on the program, because you love it. Uh, so that is our look at Emperor's New Groove. Uh, again, we urge you, go seek it out. Go find it. Go watch it. Go enjoy it. Uh, you, will, you will enjoy it if you go check it out. It's a fun, 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 fun movie. Uh, for people to watch and really out of the norm for Disney so you need to expand your horizons people go check it out alright so that's going to do it for this week's program uh, until next week you can keep in touch with us you can comment on the show notes uh, for this movie Emperor's New Groove on DisneyFilmProject.com you can like us on Facebook we are at Facebook.com four new people who liked us yeah, we do. That's and right. We like we like them, and we also like Jody Lynn, who who, who posts interactively with us. So yes, we've she been does. we've been having some great conversations on Facebook. Yep. So go to Facebook and check it out. Tweet us at Diz Film Project when the show comes out. You know, tweet tweet us back and say, hey, I like the show, or I didn't like the show, or you guys were totally wrong. Emperor's New Groove is terrible, and then Amy will attack you on Twitter, and that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, so we're at Diz Film Project on Twitter. Uh, don't forget you can listen to the show on Stitcher Radio, uh, as well as the normal routes of iTunes and uh, I think every other possible way that I know of. Every time something new comes out, Todd puts it up there. So, you know, by the time they get microwave beams shot into your brain, Todd will have already have done it like two weeks before they announce it to the public. <laughs> Yay. Verily. Yes. Barely. <laughs> okay, barely. All right, so, and then each of us writes 
and does stuff all over the interwebs all the time. So you can keep in touch with us on that way as well. I mentioned uh, the touringplans.com bloggerness of myself and Mr. Perlmutter. Uh, you can also check out some movie reviews of, of some of the sh- movies that we talk about here uh, on DisneyDrivenLife.com, where uh, Todd offers his chief technical wizardry, and then I write uh, blogs that say basically the same thing I say here. No, that's not true. Uh, I actually take a little little more time and in length to write those out. Uh, Bree, you can keep up with her adventures. And let me tell you, people, we were talking before the show started. She has adventures. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. Uh, yeah, she does. Yeah, really she interesting does. Ones. Really interesting yep. ones, indeed. Yep. Uh, yeah. So go go check those out. They're at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. And if you're not following Amy Beth Combs on Twitter, then um, you do not know how to laugh and live in your life. So that's, that's what I'm saying to you right here. Yeah. Be a friend of my friend, please. Absolutely. Be a friend yeah. of our friend, of our Amy friend. Beth Combs. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, rocks. Yay, thanks. Um, and, and Amy, my daughter, was sad that she didn't get to see you and, and wave hello tonight. But she's not here, so. Oh, no. I love that kid. I know you do. I love uh, that kid. And, and it frightens me um, that you do. Because it <laughs> concerns me. But, all right, so that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, and until next week, uh, don't turn into a llama. Mm. Yay. Why would I kidnap a llama? Bye, demon llamas. Is this pink? I think it might be purple. I better not drink it.